0: It's time to enter the Spoilerverse via our secret portal of the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with our hosts, John,
1: Ann Kenrick, and Jeff. Welcome to Spoiler Country.
2: Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on Spoilerverse.com. I'm Johnny Horsley, by myself, trying to do this intro, and today on the show, well, it's Peter Milligan, isn't it? Today, Jeff, Big Hoss, the Get, got to sit down and talk with Peter Milligan, who is a comic book writer. He's worked on such titles as Bad Company, Enigma, Hellblazer, Shade the Changing Man, and X-Force, and so much more. And Jeff got to sit down and chat with him about his career, about how he's handling the COVID crisis, and all that kind of fun stuff. So... What do you say we just sit back and listen to Peter and Jeff in their own words?
1: Today, we're talking to Peter Milligan and you're listening to Spoiler Country. How are you doing, Mr. Milligan?
0: Uh, I'm doing uh, good. As good as uh, one can be in this strange and terrible world that we all find ourselves in uh, suddenly. How are things hitting you in London? Well, I am in my house. It's fine. No one uh, in my family has come down with COVID-19, which is uh, good. My wife's lost her job, but she worked in the airline uh, industry. So this did not come as a huge uh, shock. So, you know, I mean, look, it's, I mean, what's interesting, what I find interesting about this whole thing is that for the first time I, I know, it's like everyone in the world are having similar experiences. Yeah, uh, it's uh, everyone is, is having uh, similar experiences, and it's this very odd a kind of a, a kind of homogeneity of if this that's a word of experience around the world. And whether you're in the I don't know what part of the world you can be in tundra, you could be in highland, you can be in forest, the essentialness of what's going on, this bloody disease, this bloody thing is very similar, and I think it's a very odd. It's like at the very point where we are most together because of that, uh, is the time when obviously we have to be most untogether just to, to help. Oh.
1: Yeah, I, I must admit, I'm um, having similar. Um, my wife is considered, I guess they now call her a central employee. She works at Walmart. So she's basically forced to deal with people every single day, which is awful because she has severe asthma. And it's a weird situation where you're—I I both am forced to let her go to work for financial reasons, but the second, but on the other hand, Desperate would like her not to be
0: <laughs> yeah. uh, severe asthma. Does, is that does that not count as a uh, an underlying health issue that might preclude her from uh, working?
1: You would think, but this is the United States, and the doctor said she won't excuse it, so she was basically forced to go to work. Right. I mean, what I would suggest is that your wife injects some bleach.
0: <laughs> uh, you might find that um, you might find that very efficacious in dealing with the uh, virus.
1: Yeah, it, it it's amazing how um, some glaring holes in our uh, government have been, been even more obvious than before because of what's going uh, on.
0: I think oh, I uh, think this glaring holes in your president's brain. I think uh, I don't
2: that, know about
1: that. That part is uh, so it's, it's so sadly true. And it's such an amazing farce that I honestly do believe, because one thing we're going to get to as well is talking about your story uh, tomorrow, which deals yeah, with the uh, virus. Uh, and i uh,
0: talk about this uh, for 45 minutes. But yeah, so, yeah, so let's
1: talk about but Yeah, my, my point was is that I think if you had a leader and you presented him the way we uh, Trump actually is, I'm not sure people would look at your story as anything more than a satire. And, so it's, and it's oddly enough that it's actually real. It's real that any writer would ever have Deer making something because it's well, such, such a
0: farce. People, there are some people who are impossible to satire. <laughs> I, I think Boris Johnson quite comes quite close to that. Uh, but, but you could just about make him more extreme than what he is. But there are some people you just can't, because they are almost like self satires.
1: It, it, it is amazing that it it is on some level. It's sad for both our country and your country that we deal with leaders like this, but it's it's a weird bonding experience between countries. Go, hey, our leader's an idiot too and incompetent. Something we can we have like this weird cultural genetic connection now through incompetence.
0: Yeah, but at least our leader knows some Latin, so I think that, um, I think I think we should be quite uh, good uh, good about that that our our leader can occasionally uh, sprout uh, the odd uh, Latin phrase. I always think uh, that's good in a leader.
1: Yeah, he's sort of like the smart Trump, I guess, on some level, or maybe ours is just a dumb Boris. It's hard to tell the difference. And he's got more hair, anyway. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but yeah, um, I will, I will stand here and will point out that Trump is our national embarrassment, and unfortunately, it's it's unfor- that a, that it is a crisis that feels like we're rudderless, and it does have a sense of we don't have someone to kind of direct people's anxiety in a way that's more beneficial to us
0: yeah look, i think uh, i think a lot of governments are suddenly out of their depth because they're not they're not built for this kind of thing i mean you have people like angela merkel in germany who is completely able to handle it because she was a scientist yeah and when she gives her talks uh they're just like exercises in clarity and clear thinking and exactly what you should do and they're just like exactly how you should um handle this stuff but she's a scientist so she's kind of uh, got a head start on lots of our uh, people
1: yeah with, with on our side of the ocean uh, we have a uh, trudeau in canada who seems to be pretty much on the ball with what's going on and you know he's very well spoken he does seem to have an understanding of things and it's interesting to have someone that close to us on the border who seems to be able to handle it in a far more maybe mature way or competent way and then look at and go crap <laughs> what we've got yeah. <laughs>
0: We shall, we shall see. We shall see. Anyway, uh, I once wrote a comic book about a virus. In fact, that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, it's called Tomorrow.
1: Yeah, so as far as um, Tomorrow goes, what was your inspiration for the story? Because obviously it came before the current pandemic, but though it seems extremely timely now, what was the inspiration for, that sparked your interest in that?
0: Well, it really was. I mean, it's, it's a story about a, a virus that... It's a, it starts life as a computer virus and it, it jumps the species barrier from computer into man. I mean, in terms of the a virus, I mean, it's been clear to anyone who kind of thinks about it and looks at stuff that sometimes, you know, the different SARS and Mars and, and different kind of viruses that are sometimes spring up, that there would eventually have been one that takes everyone by... Uh, surprise and takes the world by storm and I mean that's kind of anyone who thought about it for half a minute it was clear that that could happen but tomorrow I mean it wasn't so much about the virus it was just um, I was more interested in the situation that the virus presented us with I was more interested in I mean the virus uh, without being this is a spoiler our country now with a spoiler alert it's mainly the adults or almost exclusively the adults who, who die and the world is pretty quickly left being run by the kids in the in the in this in the comic we suggest that a lot of these a lot of these kids brains have been slightly changed by the ti- to the time they spend uh, on computers and it's that slight change in their brain which has which has protected them if you will from uh, this virus and most of the adults uh, don't spend as long in front of our uh, computer screens, and their brains haven't had this kind of uh, newer plasticity, and therefore they're dead. They're gone. Uh, well, and
1: uh, I was say there's an interesting parallel with today with the idea that um, once again yeah, COVID is affecting mostly adults, though there's some evidence of going to children, did, did you realize how timely it was going to be when you started writing it?
0: Absolutely bloody not. <laughs> In fact, it was it was it was it was insane because like the first the first uh, episode came out and then just like it seemed like days before all this stuff started to break. In fact, there's one this one this one, uh, this one panel that s- some people have put up a- online and it's just a main character talking to um talking to nine one one saying there's there's a dead body here and this person from 911 saying there are no ambulances we're too busy there are dead bodies everywhere go home lock the doors and wait till it's all over and it's yeah. like that's almost like it's almost like the um the recommendation you're getting from governments everywhere i mean uh it was it was really odd and in some ways in some ways i mean sometimes you would think how fantastic you know this uh, this coincidence has has potentially kind of helped people be more interested and and really made this comic seem like it's ripped from the headlines but i didn't really feel that because what was happening was so was so terrible and is so terrible that i didn't want uh the comic to be seen for one i didn't want the comic to be seen as somehow jumping piggybacking on the back of uh this this, this terrible uh disaster right. uh, and also i thought that perhaps but it's people's lives. People's lives are dealing with viruses. Do you really want to read about a fucking virus when you pick up a comic? Yeah. I yeah. mean, <laughs> I mean uh, <laughs> uh, uh, and also, I mean, so, I mean, on a number of levels, I thought it, it wasn't great for the comic. Clearly that wasn't my main concern at the time. Right, I mean, right, right, right. My main concern were little things like the end of humanity as so we know it. Um, yeah. So, so, but, but, but my, my, Interest, as I say, was not primarily about about the virus itself and about how it spreads. It was really about okay, then most of the adults are dead, the kids are in control now. What kind of world do they make? Who are they really? Are they better? I mean, one of the inspirations for for the um for this comic was uh, there've been over a period of years there've been a number of really you have to say inspirational young people who were really amazing. There was Mahalia who was shot by the Taliban. Yeah. Uh, shot in the face and she was just incredible and then brave and articulate and amazing there was a that woman emma gonzalez yeah uh, who, who, who gave that speech and you know this really tender age who'd, who'd seen this who have seen this, this this terrible thing happen and then uh, her talk in front of i don't know millions of people was just so kind of possessed and so so amazing and inspirational and there were a number of them um, there were a number of young people Mainly women, actually, but may- maybe young people, and you kind of think part of them thinks, "Wow, if they're the future, maybe the future's going to be okay." You know, maybe they'll make a better shot at it. But then, then I kind of this cynical British part side of me came through and says, "Okay, then they're, they're great, they're fantastic. Can't take anything away from uh, them." But I remember this, I remember this playground, as you say, the schoolyards. You know, but like, and I mean, it's brutal. And for every Mahalia, there's a lot of kind of would-be uh, 90-year-old Taliban running around, uh, or <laughs> uh, you know. So it can be brutal. It can be red in tooth and claw in every way that the adult world can be. So really, that was what I wanted to explore. What's it? What's it really going to be like? So it's kind of like Lord of the Flies meets Planet of the Apes <laughs> meets meet something else that's a great combination and well, I, I, I mean i have to say i have to say sometimes it's quite useful just to try to focus it and the whole line I, I wrote just for myself was lord of the flies meets
1: planet of the apes <laughs> that, that's, that's a great tagline for any, for anything to hear that and and i, I think one thing that i really loved reading in your very first issue you do a very well-written very intelligently well thought out introduction to the comic book where you cover some of the things you're talking about as far as the next generation and i thought to myself it's interesting that we look at the individuals who are making a mark right now in society and that they are children. And what do you think of that in some ways that we're handing off the role of morality and, and those who speak for justice to children instead of having that role be the adults who should be holding that baton instead of giving it over to the kids already who may not be ready for it?
0: Uh, yeah, Um, the child is the father of the man. Yeah. Uh, well, of course, we ha- well, we'll be handing down an awful lot out uh, to the children, not only a kind of a moral imperative we're handing down to them to kind of make better moral choices uh, in this world, but we're also handing down, oh, by the way, kids, the world, uh, the environment's also fucked, so you've got to talk that out. Yeah. And when you've done that, there's been a world recession because of this, because we couldn't work out how to deal with uh, this pandemic, uh, because basically most countries are perfectly willing to spend billions of dollars on weapons, that is a minute chance that we're going to use. Yeah. Nuclear weapons, weapons of mass destruction, just like the, the chances of us ever needing them are really, really remote. But we're happily seen, that's happily seen as a, as a necessary expenditure. If someone had spent just a fraction of that on preparedness for a pandemic, it would have been seen as kind of a liberal or Tax and spend madness, and 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 it wouldn't have it wouldn't have washed. So I think that we we had ourselves to blame for what's happened. Uh, and I think uh, the way we, te- we the way we deal with the natural world and the way we are prepared prepared for the very obvious pandemic that was clearly obviously going to come. Uh, so I think that even though it's terrible, I don't think you can kind of like filter story. You can foresaw it individually for the human race. But as yeah. a race, I kind of think, well, you know, I mean, there yeah. you go.
1: You've done this. Now, w- one thing, as you mentioned before, is that your story is kind of looking into what the future could be, The, uh, as you said, with the next generation. Now, is this something you already in your head have an answer to, or is your story a way of working out for yourself, whether or not we're in better hands or worse hands with the next generation? A bit of both.
0: I mean, I think that I had my... I Look, I have my ideas that it wasn't going to be some kind of Garden of Eden just because the just because the kids were in control. Yeah. I mean, I mean the kids aren't all right, as the who would say to paraphrase. Yeah. I mean, a lot of them aren't. A lot of them just as you know. I mean, a lot of them are just as messed up. I mean, I mean sometimes messed up because of the kids they had, the the uh, the adults, the parents they had. Um, so look, and I think maybe maybe it's something which is inbred in the humans. What I was interested in in the, I know there's been quite a lot, there's a kind of, there's, there's been quite a lot of a virus spreads around the world and decimates uh, the human population story. So I wanted to not really get too hung up on the virus itself. It's kind of there and there's a reason for it happening. Duh, duh, duh. I was really much more interested in when you're dealing with a story that potentially with a of Billions, because the whole planet is is dying off. You kind of, for me, I need to make it personal. So what I was interested in was how individual people, individual characters, handle this insanely unusual situation. So, so I very quickly try to focus on a couple of key uh, characters, and I'm more interested in their reaction to this pandemic that's wiped out so many people, rather than. The macro politics of of where the virus is going. It's really how these people, uh, as individuals, uh, respond to it and uh, react to it and, and and are affected by
1: it. I think one of your most fascinating characters in the in the comic book, obviously, is your pro- protagonist, Oscar. My day job is to be an, I'm an English teacher at a school for special needs students, many of them who are autistic. Okay. And I found Oscar a very interesting character because once he does describe himself as being neuroatypical, and I thought to myself, what led you to making your protagonist a neuroatypical and i don't know if you intentionally made him or thought of him as necessarily autistic but he definitely has those tendencies um and was there any concern of writing a character who would be who is a neuroatypical in a story uh i mean it's how i mean you i mean
0: you you end up uh, choosing a character or creating a character that can best allow you to Talk about what you want to talk about, and what I wanted to talk about was the sudden strangeness of this world and how we cope with sudden strangeness. And I think, as as he would say, a atypical person, as as people with this uh, condition or they have this on the spectrum, I feel like I feel like perhaps Asperger's. I think that change is a very difficult for them thing for them to. Uh, you will know this. Often, change is a very difficult thing for them to handle, and I think that. In my research and in my talking, I'm very good friends with a director who uh, directed a, a drama about a kid, a kid with Asperger's, and I was on set of that, and I looked at it, and I saw a lot of what went on, and that's really uh, interested me, and I've read extensively on the subject, and um, it seems to be that one one of the one of the keys, the key markers of this condition is that. They, they don't like change. They want things to be the same way. They want things to be ordered so they, they can get their head around it. I mean, you must uh, see this in the yeah. movie. So I thought that what an interesting character to try to deal with this massive world, world, worldwide change. So I then wondered them, well, being Asperger's, who's someone who has a problem with change, does that make him less likely and less able to cope with uh, this world where everything's changed? Or does it Conversely, make him more able because he's all, he's already every day he deals with the problem of of change. Small things that other people don't notice, he will notice as change. Uh, so he's already, if you like, in training for a world that is good for the that feeling of dislocation you feel when the world changes because he's feels like that a lot. Uh, so I thought it was interesting. A question, which it's not about solving the question and finding out what the answer is. It's more about the journey and about a character who seems to be an interesting, point of view character for a world that who has changed that has changed uh, radically.
1: And well, I thought it was interesting because like I, I deal with these students all the time. So I found your your um, character very real, feeling to me. Like I, I could see the type of aspects of your character that I see in my students all the time. And I think one of the most, and the things I think I, that seemed very ingenious of you to add to your character. Excuse he, me, if we repeat that again? That like, oh, that I, like, <laughs> <laughs> I
0: thought
1: <laughs> that was amazing what you did with the character and it was in, in, ingenious of you. It's, yeah, think, it's, 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 what, it's what you did with the um, addition of music as a way of calming um, him um, that when he calms down or he tries to focus, he focuses on his music and the, uh, and his playing of, I, I believe it's, was it cello? I believe it was. And because I see a lot of with my students, one of the ways they try to we re- give them for coping mechanisms is listening to music as a way to calming them down. I, w- I was wondering where that came with you with the idea of giving Oscar music as a way of expressing himself and also calming.
0: A lot of our people are on the, on the spectrum like music, and I think there is something which is very ordered about music. Mathematicians are often very interested in music, and in fact, lots of mathematicians. Do composed music, and there is a kind of correlation between order, maths, and music. There is a world that makes sense, and the world outside of uh, this symphony or this uh, piece may make no sense whatsoever. But there is a there is a a sense and a sense of order and a sense of completeness in a piece of music, which I thought would appeal to this character, Oscar.
1: And yeah, I mean, I was routinely amazed by how on point you are. The other one as well is an issue too. Oscar um, mistakes, mistakes Adam's expressions for he thought he was being aggressive when he's smiling, smiling at him. And I just thought that was so insightful as well. And also an interesting challenge to give to your protagonist. And I just wanted to go into how you view that, you know, from a story perspective and also how much is it on your artist as well to portray a look that is both Potentially confused as hostile, but also um, meant to be, you know, smiling to a, a reader who would immediately recognize it.
0: I think that scene was probably easier for me to write than it was for um, Hatos uh, to uh, draw. I mean, how can he draw that? It's a bugger to draw. So I think right, right. Be, there, there was there was some Im, there were some panels that can be word led and some can be image led, and that's fantastic. But some, you know, I mean, because it's hard because we as or a majority of people who are not neuroatypical atypical will read that as as an, a smile, as a normal smile, because we read those human gestures. Uh, again, so, but it still comes back to, I was interested in this, this kid who, who struggles with making sense of the world anyway. I mean, if you like, the entire population of, who's left of this world, this denuded population, they're trying to make sense of the world. They're trying to find order in disorder, but I mean that's Oscar's life. I mean I think that I think that one key thing I was wanted to do with uh, uh Oscar is that, I mean I am if you like neuro atypical myself. I have epilepsy. So yeah. and I go to a, I go to I belong to this epilepsy club. But look, I've kind of compared to lots of the people say in this this club I belong to uh I mean I'm great. I mean I have a relationship, I have a normal yeah. life, I have a job, you know, I mean like so I have a life. So I I do kind of see lots of people who are, it's very, it's a very varied um, condition. But I thought, but what I wanted, what comes through in talking to people is, I know it's a real cliche that they are not completely defined by their condition and that they are a person with this condition. That said, I mean, I know that that's what. That's that's the slogan we should have. I am not going to be defined by my uh, condition, and that's fantastic. Put it off, but but you must see some kids that you work with. I know that I see some people, and it's really hard to think that their life has not been to a large part, if not completely, defined by epilepsy because it controls everything they do and everything they can do, and and uh, but as a person, they are still a person. And so I wanted Oscar to be this small kid, first of all, and, uh, but he, but he has this, he has this condition. I mean, uh, other, other people in the book have other, uh, if you like, atypical qualities to them. There's one, there's one kid who we find who was sexually abused. Now that is, uh, very different, but it's still something which has altered him. There's still something which might even define the rest of his life. Uh, uh, if, if it has, uh, if it has traumatized him to such a degree, so none of us are normal, I don't think, and I think it's, I think there's it's a spectrum of our normality, and I think that some people exist on one edge of the spectrum, and others on the other, and I think that in a, in this world, in the world of tomorrow, and to a much much lesser degree in our world right now, what normal is, is very difficult to say because we're all trying to work out what. I know it's the cliché, the new normal, but we're all trying to work yeah. out what this new fucking normal is. It's yeah. easy to say, but to actually experience, and it's a very so. I mean, it's t- it's horribly timely. But so I wanted to make Oscar a kid first of all, a person first of all, and uh, not every single aspect of his Oscarness was his Asperger's.
1: Am I, I I was reading um your, your character of Oscar also you seem to you, you gave telepathy to. Is that something? Is that between twins, or is that something that's going to be as being a, a greater aspect of his character?
0: Well, I mean, look, it's i I, want, I wanted I wanted to highlight just how close these two people were. They are not only are they twins, and they have all the um they have all the uh, twinness of twins. I was in Brazil last year, and I was talking to some twins, and it was just really amazing talking to them. Uh, and they were not they looked very similar, they weren't quite identical. They were it just it was really interesting talking to them. And and I wanted I knew I wanted to use something with uh, twins. I also worked on a screenplay once uh, that surprise surprise didn't get made, but um it didn't with twins, so I was always really interested. And I wanted I wanted Oscar to have this person who who uh he was incredibly close to and who being apart from was a new thing for him. So I wanted him to be. You know, to be a writer is to be uh, cruel cool to your characters because you want your characters to be on a knife edge. You want your characters yeah. to be in a really you want you know because it's in those situations of extremists of, of of on a knife edge, teetering on the edge. I think that's when you find out stuff about them, on uh, stuff about people. So I wanted him to be really close to his twin sister, who he was because of this pandemic, separated from. And I wanted. One way to one way to one way to highlight highlight their closeness is to have a kind of telepathic bond. I know that's a bit of a cliche between twins, but I think it can exist, and, and I think it's possible that it could exist in some form. It's also a really good uh, a really good uh, uh, dramatic device to be able to have these two people in different parts of the world, different parts of the country talking. So, so I wanted just to. The driver of the story is that Oscar's trying to be reunited with his twin, and in some way to be reunited with his twin twin is to be reunited with a world that is normal, a world that he understands, and and everything will be okay again. Of course.
1: Yeah, like I said, I, I think your your strongest um, gift in this series—I mean, don't get me wrong—the art's fantastic, the story's fantastic—is that your characters are so real, feeling genuine, feeling. Like um one other like another character would you send in some ways just one of the genius things of it? I I think it's extremely genius. I mean, it's it, I, I I remember I was looking up inf- information about you and the amount of Times. The words legend and icon popped up. It it, it definitely sh- demonstrates it in the writing. Um, I mean, I knew you from Hellblazer. And I knew you from Red Lanterns. But I also like. And it was interesting that you keep um, the word icon, you know, the I- iconic Peter Milligan, so forth and so on. And you read the story, you are like, damn, it's right there as well. Here is another series, and you can see the richness of the characters, the tangibleness of the world that he created, and it works. It works fantastically. So yeah, those. Well, I'm we'll, we'll learn comments.
0: I'm really. I mean, I was really happy with the story, and I think uh, obviously a pandemic coming as it did has has, if you like, bifurcated the publication of of the comic. I think the first few came out. I think now there's been a gap. So so, so I'm not quite sure when uh, it's going to finish. But it's good stuff, I think. I, I was really happy with it. I was really happy with the artwork. And, you know, I mean, have, having having a, a comic series delayed because of the pandemic, in the great scheme of things, is not a huge uh, hill of beans. Yeah. Uh, but it's obviously it breaks it up. And it is. it was an uncanny when this came out. Uh, but it, it, it wasn't far-sightedness on my part. I, was, I mean, in most of these uh, stories set in the future much more about today and the story was about today and was about these people and it was about whether or not this stuff that the humankind does to each other and does to the planet, this kind of like messed up, violent, screwed up uh, quality that we uh, have, whether or not it exists in kids. Uh, and if the kids weren't there, it would still happen. Uh, and this was one of the little driving still uh, themes
1: of Yeah, um, I, I do realize the 30 minutes is up. Mind if I ask just a few more questions? Or well, you know, That was a rough uh, ballpark. All right, cool, cool. Because uh, one of the things um, I did want to hit, once again, I'm, I've been uh, so fascinated with your series, is I, I like the contrast with the character of Nate. And Nate, someone who at least... Um, on, when you first see Nate, when you first understand Nate. He seems to be a character who has all the benefits. I mean, you look at Oscar, who is dealing with you know autism and and all the difficulties that comes with that, and then you look at Nate, who on paper should have all the benefits of life. He's wealthy. He's doesn't seem to have any major issues, unless you're looking at hostility as being an atypical behavior. And what he is, or what he becomes, and the amount of violence that comes out of him seems like an interesting commentary about the idea of maybe nurture versus maybe nature, maybe the idea of having everything can it? You is a process of creating these kind of negative behaviors, you know, it, and I just got a good idea of what your sense of that was.
0: Yeah. And I think it's, uh, there also, it also shows the, uh, the full of, of quickly, uh, deeming someone or labeling someone as normal or, or not normal. Though you just never know. I mean, um, I, I know i um, uh a psychologist he works a lot of prisoners in, uh, in in prisons and uh, he, he was originally from zimbabwe and he's, he's a black guy uh uh and uh obviously a really smart guy a psychologist and uh, he he um he once dealt before before he came to this country he was dealing he was working in Zimbabwe and he, he dealt with this uh, with a patient and this patient was a white zimbabwean and you would look on the outside black zimbabwean it's you know, just white Zimbabwean your instinct your instinct would be that that the blacks been Zimbabwean has suffered and because of what's ha- what's happened to the uh the uh blacks in in uh, in uh in um, Zimbabwe and the white guy is the guy who has um all the privileges and he's been lucky in life but actually my my friend he came from a really strong family a really kind of like family that encouraged him to be educated and a really strong family bond and and a really happy childhood. And this, this white guy, he had a, a kind of like a disaster of a childhood, but abuse, uh, sexual and violence. And it was just, it messed him up for his entire life. And, and I always thought yeah, that was quite interesting, if, you know, taking things that, how you can take things at face value. And uh, you dig a little bit deeper. And that was, in a sense, the, the idea with Nate, that on the surface he's this, he goes to this uh, expensive, uh, private uh we in this country we say uh, i guess you'd say a private school this expensive private school his dad's really rich and i have a ball breaking ceo and he's kind of like he's a kind of um he's a little master of the universe in the making and um and and he plays soccer uh my dear that's okay and so he he looks like one of the people who would inherit the world because he's going to be in control also he's kind of like but he's messed up and he's uh and he hasn't got the condition that uh, Oscar has, but he has another thing that makes him, uh, if you like, no, uh, no, uh, atypical. He's got something which, which brings him to a really dark, dark place. And um, now he is, uh, he he is uh, a messed up kid, and he, he is a violent kid, and they they conduct some really brutal, uh, almost ritualistic, soccer-themed uh, elements of uh, violence, which I suppose is a has elements of Lord of the uh, Flies and elements of uh, Clockwork Orange uh, in it, but um, but we find out uh, what caused some of his uh, darkness, and 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 Oscar has a uh, has this condition. But I think we get the we he's got this sister who he loves, and we get the feeling that we never meet them. Uh, that his family was a really loving, uh, strong family. Well, we meet his mother, who's a who was obviously a really loving woman. So. It's complicated this stuff. And I guess I wanted to dig into that complication.
1: I mean, yeah, I mean that's great. Cause like I said all of our everyone has those compli- complications. we talk talking about being like neuro atypical and typical and whatnot. And we all do have those aspects of ourselves that does complicate who we are. And in many ways I would say we all have um a complicated psychology. And as you see through Nate or Oscar or anyone else, it doesn't necessarily Come maybe with a genetic aspect, but it comes with an experience. And I think one interesting thing as well is when you talk about the, the the tyranny of the playground, um and someone who like myself, who used to be picked on all the time on the playground, I must admit I probably met met my share my fair share of Nates. And I will say that those experiences on the playground do last with you and have their own damage and effects 10, 20, 30 years down the road. You do still notice it. And I was wondering, you know, if that was part of as well, um so your experience you know were you on that side of the playground as well where you dealt with nates?
0: I wasn't a nate, uh, but I don't think I was quite a, a Nate-y either. either. Um, uh, no, I think i was i think i uh, I was kind of not an obvious bully target, but nor was I a bully. I mean I think I kind of I quite had a sympathy for people being uh, picked on. I think I was quite a sensitive kid and when i was when I was a real young kid, uh, I had a uh, a boss eye because i'd have the operation straight in my eyes and uh, so but before the operation came in of course you're picked on uh so i kind of you know i was i was raised on, on a on a on what you would call uh, a project so you kind of a uh, you know a big family so you kind of so you kind of get a bit rough and tumble so you kind of uh you kind of get used to looking after yourself a bit i, mean, I remember coming home from school and uh like these three kids kind of came up me for, they were, they were from a different block and they came at me to kind of rough me up a bit. And I looked up and I was to the window, I could see window of my uh, flat, my apartment. I could see my mum and, and two of my brothers looking. And they weren't doing anything. They were just watching. And I think they were going to watch to see how I was doing <laughs> myself. So I, kind of, uh, so I kind of, uh, I was, I did okay. As you normally with this kid stuff, you know, you kind of like, so, uh, I think when you grow up in that uh, situation, you kind of learn to scrap a bit. But because I had this uh, boss eye, which they straightened up as an operation, but before they did, it it kind of gives you a sympathy or an empathy with people who are being picked on, particularly people perhaps with uh, physical disabilities or or what have you. Now,
1: now would you say someone like Nate is an issue as a lack of empathy, or do you think it's... Are you going to go with something deeper? Or...
0: it's deeper. Uh, I think. Well, I think he has a lack of empathy. I think that. I think that empathy is a place he can't afford to go to, which so I think is so damaged. I think uh, he doesn't have empathy for himself. He can't bring himself to uh, go to go there.
1: Well, like I said, I think that's fantastic. I, I do like the idea that you're making him more of a um, dynamic character than maybe often some writers would go. Probably the easier route, make him you know a straight villain type character. But the fact that you're making him seem uh, more sympathetic or you're going to make him seem more sympathetic. I think it's a fantastic direction to go in.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, sympathetic. Uh, I think that, but he's a product of his father. He's a product of what's happened to him. So I think that that's not to say that he, he won't do and say uh, despicable things, but I think that um, he's not this block of wood that was that was necessarily created uh, evil. I don't know if I believe in evil. I think that people do evil things. Uh, I'm not quite sure whether they, they, uh, there exists uh, a force called evil that wanders around and picks on people. Uh, so I think that stuff is done to people. I mean, if you look at a lot of uh, lot of uh, kids and young people who are... I think I think there's a, a statistic about uh, people who are in prison, uh, in prison for violent crime, the percentage of them... Who have been uh, abused sexually or physically abused when they were kids. It's extraordinary. It was so, so high. And it's like you mess up these kids and they're kind of like, they don't really, people don't really, society doesn't really look out for them. They get completely screwed up. And then society is shocked and horrified when that kid turns around to be a little bit of a monster. And Nate is a bit of a monster.
1: I mean, it's interesting when you look at um, when you talk about like the future of the next generation. It's in many ways like you know we we obviously have our faith in the next generation and our prospects are in the next generation. But as the previous generation, we go out of our way to screw those kids up as much as seemingly be possible before they get there.
0: They fuck you up, your mum and dad. As, as the yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that, that, you know that poem, uh, but the Philip Larkin poem. Uh, I don't know how known it is in uh, in America, but in Britain, it's almost a, a cliche of childhood. Uh, rebellion they fuck you up because it's a poem that uh people know because it's got such a a rude first line you know
1: yeah uh, and well uh, i do want to talk about american row in a moment but I, what i do want to stop off and just and ask because we're talking about ideas of empathy and what we talked about earlier with trump and some of this other stuff it does seem like there is at empathy gaps that some people do have do you think it truly is empathy gaps or do you think even when you look at something like what's going on with say like, Trump and some of that other issues it's something more deep seated with them as well that and that's too easy to just say well they lack these aspects That's
0: you know that's almost a bit beyond my pay grade i mean it's like what i'm trying to do in this story and the other stories are right is um is to try to create real characters that have had real things happen to them in the past and 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 how do they and and how do they operate in a, in this situation which I've given them uh, empathy gaps for clearly people there are people who have absolutely no empathy how that's come about is you know whether it's genetic whether it's uh, caused by abuse or or um, I read a, I read an article once where kids are growing up and and, and bad and bad and destructive and what one might say unempathetic behavior that kids who are Beaten when they were babies, ended up being less screwed up than kids that were just ignored. Huh. Remarkable that uh, somehow just a lack of love, and a lack of attention, and just a just a, a what the fuckness about how they were brought up somehow is more damaging to us than being what we would say abused. Uh, um, but you know, but well, yeah. But as I say, that's uh, that's. Uh, that's a world of our research, which obviously uh, is uh, not my job. But what we can do as creative people is to create characters that seem recognisable and explore how and why they are the way they are and how they act in these uh, situations.
1: Uh, that's a great. Uh, that's a great answer. Um, how long um is the series expected to be? Uh, tomorrow. Oh, uh,
0: I think it's six episodes. But this okay. is the first storyline, and then. Under normal circumstances, and, uh, and what we we're hoping for is to do the first six episodes, uh, uh, episodes first storyline, and it, it gets Oscar to us, and this is a spoiler alert, The spoiler country, so I think it's okay. <laughs> we get him to a certain place. Uh, it's certainly not the end of his uh, journey, but it's a certain place in his journey, which, so we feel as though there's been a completeness in, um, in the first storyline. But I've got other storylines that I want to write. And hopefully, uh, with a fair wind and the grace of God uh, behind us, uh, we um will get to do another Lane. Well,
1: I definitely hope so. I mean, like I said, I I've I loved the story. Um, the other thing I was wondering about is American Ronin. Now, how far along are you in this issue being produced from AWA?
0: Well, it looks amazing, and I think I'm really happy with it. Uh, uh, yeah. So it's. It's been done. Uh, I've, I've written it. And uh, the artist, I think, it's on uh, episode four or five. I mean, uh, when it's coming out, oh, who fucking knows? I, mean, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you have to ask the guys at EWA. Uh, but it, it looks amazing. I'm really happy with it. And it, I think it's a really strong, interesting um, uh, story. Very different, if I may say. It's really interesting. What's interesting is we were talking about empathy. Empathy is... Is at the heart of American moaning because, for reasons which will come become apparent uh, when you read the story, uh, which of course you will, this guy has um, increased or, or exaggerated ability to empathize with the people he's either after, wanting to kill, running from, or, or challenging in some way. Uh, and he has this, something's been done to his brain. You can see I'm uh, quite interested in stuff being done to brains. Uh, <laughs> which, which allows him to have deep deep empathy with his character so that he knows what his character's thinking uh feeling might do in the future uh uh but to, but to uh, get this uh level of empathy he has to get if you like a um, a sample from uh, from the person his, his his target for example some dna then he has to kind of do a, mix it up and inject it and then he can oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's That's cool. dark. It's dark stuff. So, like for example, if you're if you're following someone and you're trying to, you know, and you're trying to find out more about this person, who is this person really? Where, what is this? What is this weak spot? What is his clink in his armor? You might kind of like go into a restaurant. uh go into a restaurant where this guy's been eating and and uh, to pick up the utensils that he's been using or the chopsticks that he's been using. Take them home and swab them, and then you've got a you've got a DNA swab.
1: It seems like an incredible burden, though, to take that much empathy from other—you know—to absorb that much um, feelings, empathy from other people. That's an incredible burden to take on to yourself. I mean, it's hard enough to take your own feelings. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I think he. I think there's. A, I think there's a line you have to walk. That um, too much, and I think you have uh, empathy overload, and and yeah, and you become almost you, you. become almost your own personality becomes almost subsumed beneath the personality and the feelings and the fears and the likes and and. Of, uh, of this target. But that's part of, part, of, part of the story is, is about him trying to get that balance. Uh, but anyway, it's a really great story. It's, it, it has a James Bond element to it in that it's lots of uh, interesting kind of like uh, exotic locations. There's fighting and ch- car chases. But at heart is this guy who's, um has his ability to empathise with other people to a really deep uh, level and how he uses that uh, how he uses that uh, to do what he has to do.
1: It, it, it must make it hard for him to do what he has to do when he has to feel for these people. I mean, when, could they become real for him? They're not just targets anymore.
0: Yeah, that is the balance he has to do, which I think that, yes, yeah, so of course, take too much of it and, yeah, you become them in, in, in some very real way. Um, the,
1: the, when, is this going to be part of the interconnected universe started in Resistance on AW? or is this going to be a separate series connected well, we, to it? Uh, actually, um uh, I'm
0: doing something else for the Connected Universe, which I can't talk about yet, but it's going to be great, and uh, I'm really excited about that. But it's been a, it's been slightly paused by uh, the pandemic, uh, but I'm doing something else for them, which is going to be connected to their uh, Resistance Universe, but it's take looking at it from a completely different point of view, and so it's going to be quite a different take on that uh, on that uh, world and a different tone. Certainly, uh, you know, something which is slightly more me and slightly more, yeah. So, anyway, I can't talk about that yet. I've been told not to talk about that yet because I've written the first episode, but it's still in its quite early stages. And, uh, and uh, I know it's going to be on pause for a bit. And but American Ronin, I think it's amazing. I think it's uh, I'm really happy with it. The artwork is ACO, ACO. Um, I think the guy, I mean, it's terrible. I don't, he uses the, uses this strange, um, uses this strange, um, uh nom de plume, which always always forget is AOC or a c o
1: well yeah i mean we can always, when, when we do we, we always do an intro before the interview we always can do a shout out to him we'll we'll look it up we'll, we'll try yeah.
0: to <laughs> that's not his real name and uh, uh but yeah but anyway, he's amazing and it, it, it's just amazingly it looks like it's amazingly modern and uh and it's fantastic so I'm really happy about that but look, it's been really great talking to you uh yeah you as uh, well. How about when, you know, when when it comes out, I'd love to talk to you again about your reactions to it and whether you think there's elements of genius to that as you thought there was in our- Lista.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure there most certainly will be. When my reader will be like, There's there's the genius right there. I found it on page five. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, you, you you've been absolutely fantastic to talk to. I do like, I do hope we we do talk some more when the issues come out. Hopefully they do come out. I know um with um release dates and diamond, everything else, everything is in panic mode unfortunately yeah,
0: that on that point i do think that this stuff will come out again i think that when uh, when um we are over this and i think we will get over it however changed we are and i think that we'll be living with it rather than being over it completely but, but i think that when we're kind of up on our feet again and the world takes on something like a more normal um uh shape i mean i think people are going to be very hungry for stories and because uh, stories, I mean, uh, it's the way that we talk, talk about ourselves, it's the way we try to understand ourselves. So I think that there's going to be a real hunger for, um, for stories, for comics, for TV shows, for all that good stuff, poems, all that good stuff that uh, is what makes us human. So I am I, very confident that when this is over, that, um, that all these comics that we've been missing uh, will be uh, bringing their way to the comic stores. Yeah, it, be-
1: it's just so unfortunate um that awa launched what like a month before diamond shut down <laughs> it's yeah, just no, a bad it's, timing
0: it's a terrible timing for them because they've got all the expense of launching and then nothing you know it's, still, yeah. it's a really bad time for
1: them because you you would like to think that while they're hot and popular because when as soon as something launches that's with the most that's the peak of um attention usually something has and to have it mealy shut down by diamonds it's, it's 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 just hopefully that they, they they figured out how to move around that.
0: It's really terrible. but it's like seeing a really pretty girl in a in a party that you've liked for a long time, and you finally and you finally um, build up the uh, build up the nerve to go and say to her, and you he, he, you have this opening line that you wanted to use, and you polish yep. it, and you give this opening line, and then the light bulbs blow up, and they ever <laughs> does as, as and so you <laughs> go back there, and she says. Okay, so what should you say
1: again? Um, <laughs> it, it, it kills the momentum. One hundred percent kills that momentum. But yeah. Yeah. I, I, I hope A- I mean, I, we talked to um, we were lucky enough to talk to J. Uh, J- Mike uh, Trzinski, I think is how you pronounce the guy's name. And it was is, I I hope it, it it works. And I hope um, A W. has already figured out how to um, adapt into this gap of attention to comic books. No, I
0: think I think I think they're gonna be okay. I think look, I think that. To be honest, I think one or two of the smaller uh independents might fall by the wayside. Uh, I think that's inevitable. This, I mean, as, as businesses in every sector are gonna fall by the wayside, but I think that the ones that do survive will find that there's a real hunger for uh this stuff.
1: Well, like I said, it when I saw AW looks fantastic, and I can't wait to see what, what you've got. Um, I want to see American Ronin come out soon. I hope to see um some um just dis- well, not distribution but a release date soon i hope <laughs> so, so i can start looking at it
0: well let, let's talk when it does because i have other stuff which because of our, uh uh the pandemic i can't talk about but um hopefully we'll be um seeing the night of day when uh when uh when this crazy war is over
1: yeah most certainly and like i said i thank you so much for sitting with me for as long as you have it was great talking to you and i, I just wish i could talk about we had time to talk about some of the old stuff that you did, like Red Lanterns and the hellboy which I have say, loved for let, so many let, years. <laughs> yeah,
0: uh, let's 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 get a date to talk about all that stuff another time. Oh, I'd love to do that and talk about some of the old stuff.
1: Indeed, in and like I said, thank you so much for sharing your genius with me. <laughs> Thanks very much for using. Thank you so much, sir. You're for being awesome.
2: back so that was awesome jeff thank you so much for sitting down with peter and talking with him about his career and his comics and his his uh his his take on writing and COVID and everything else you guys talked about and, and peter thank you so much for coming on we appreciate you spending your time during this crazy crisis that's going on to, to chat with our little podcast here and to sit down with jeff and uh, and all the way from from semi-old england and all the way from from london and chat with him and that was great thank you but if you liked what you heard, if you liked listening to Jeff talk with with creators like Peter Milligan, if you like hearing Kenner and I talk with all the people that we talk to, or if you like hearing you know, our guest host Robert come in and talk to people, or you know Casey, you know Tickle Monster Allen talk to people as well as we got so many wonderful people on here doing interviews for you, talking to amazing people, check out spoilerverse.com and check out all those great interviews from our podcast and shows from our podcast and all the other podcasts because we have a podcast network called Spoilerverse and there's so many different awesome podcasts on there. And while you're at spoilerverse.com, check out all of our articles and our reviews and our previews and there's just so much fun stuff there. We redid the mini structure there, so check it out, it's pretty cool and while you're there click on that store link and go to the spoiler first store and pick up a t-shirt or a hoodie or a, a face mask because in most places like in washington state you gotta wear a face mask if you want to go out in public and go into stores they got signs up like i went to Safeway today the sign on the door says you know if you're not wearing a face mask, get the fuck out but you know I saw the rest if you're not wearing a face mask, you know, get out you know it's like you gotta wear a face mask to protect your fellow person so you can buy one of those with the spoiler virtual spoiler country look on it at our T public store and that just helps give us a little bit of money to help pay the bills around here because, you know, it that's kind of costly. But everything we do is for free right now, so don't worry about that as well. But I think, I think that's a show. Yeah, that's a show, guys. So, for Kennery Cregan, who couldn't make it today, I am Johnny Horsley, and we are out. But as we always do, in an Oceans of Podcasts, we are Cthulhu. And as Cthulhu compels you to do, open the mind and read.